Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Hey, yo, what's up, family and friends? Great to see you this morning. Thanks for crashing a party here in the room. Up in the cheap seats, the balcony, we love you. Thanks for hanging out. And, and also, if you're joining us online from wherever in the country or the world, uh, welcome to Winston-Salem. You're, you're here with us. We appreciate you, and uh, we love you. Today, we're starting a brand new teaching series on a uh, character, a historical, a real character in the Bible um, that, that maybe uh, you've heard of before. Uh, it goes by the name of Samson. Uh, but Samson, he, I, I, you got to understand this, Samson's a historical figure. He's a real person. Uh, but sometimes when we think of Samson's story, it's easy to confuse it with some other familiar stories like superheroes and fairy tales and, and all of these kind of different stories blur the lines uh, when it comes to Samson. Like when I think of Samson's story, you think, you know, really strong guy and, and I, I start to chase down Samson's, uh, Samson's story and realize that, uh, no, actually that's Hercules. Like I've seen the Disney movie Hercules, the cartoon, I've seen that recently and so like I'm not preaching Samson anymore, I'm preaching Hercules and so that's, no, that's not it. And then you start thinking about the hair that Samson had and how much power he had in his hair, and, and you remember, this is what Samson did. He used to comb his hair and sing to it, and it began to glow, and you could touch it, and it would heal people. And I was like, wait, that's uh, Rapunzel. Like, that's another Disney movie. Like, that's Tangled. Different, really cool, different set of hair. Not, not magical like, like Samson's hair is. And uh, then you start thinking, well, he's kind of like a superhero, like this superhero strength that he has, and, and, and very strong. But, but the, the thing that makes him strong is also kind of his kryptonite, you know, like his hair made him strong. But then when somebody found out, then they cut his hair, and then he lost his hair, and now he's not strong anymore. And so I'm like, nah, that kryptonite, that Superman, like this is, Samson is not a, a Marvel Comics character or DC Comics character. He, he's not a uh, fairy tale princess uh, even though he's got long, beautiful hair. Uh, he's, he's not a make-believe character. It's not a fable like Hercules is. This is actually a real historical figure that we read about in, in Scripture. And so I wonder, when I say the word Samson, what do you think about? What comes to your mind? Is it the story in, in Scripture, maybe a flannel graph if you grew up in a church or like old school or Sunday school? You may have heard about, about this character named Samson. But I want to challenge your perspective on Samson because I think if you read the, the Samson in Scripture, you might see a side of Samson that you've never thought about before. Most people view Samson as some heroic, big, strong, triumphant character in Scripture. But we're going to dig into it over these next five weeks and realize that Samson was not a story of triumph. Samson was a story of disappointment. Samson was the epitome of what could have been if he had not done so many things the wrong way. What, what his life could have been instead of just major disappointment. My, my favorite way, I've told you guys this, my favorite way to learn is when other people make mistakes and I get to benefit from it. That way I don't have to feel the pain, I don't have to go through it. This is Samson's life. For the next five weeks, we're going to highlight five huge mistakes that Samson made that totally derailed his life. 
that messed up the purpose and the plan that God had for him to use him in a really powerful way. And my hope, my goal, is that all five weeks we're able to listen and pick out these five mistakes, learn from when Samson made them, so that you and I don't go down the wrong path. So that's what we're going to do as we unpack this story. We're going to be jumping around. and Instead of starting at his birth and working all the way to his death over five weeks, we're going to look at different themes of mistakes and disappointments and failures that Samson made in his life in hopes that we can learn from Scripture and, and keep from making them on our own. So Samson's story actually starts way before Samson's name is mentioned in the Bible. We get a little detail that gives us some insight that, that if, if, you don't, if you don't get this, like we missed the rest of the, the message today. So I want to read to you Numbers chapter 6. God is speaking to Moses, and, and he says to Moses, there, there's going to be a group of people in, in, in the Israelite army, in, the, in this group of people that follow God, that are going to want to go to the next level in their relationship with God. They're going to want to experience a closeness to God that they've never experienced before. They're going to want to hear God's voice, and this is how they're going to do it. In, in Numbers chapter 6, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, If a man or a woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, the Nazarite vow, then here's what it looks like. They must abstain from wine and other fermented drink and must not drink vinegar made from wine or any other fermented drink. They must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisins. As long as they remain under their Nazarite vow, they must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even the seeds and skins. During the entire period of their Nazarite vow, no razor may be used on their head. They must be holy until the period of their dedication to the Lord is over. They must let their hair grow long. Throughout the period of their dedication, here's the third aspect of this vow. The Nazarite must not go near a dead body. Even if their own father or mother or brother or sister dies, they must not make themselves ceremonially unclean on account of them because the symbol of their dedication to God is on their head. Throughout the period of their dedication, they are consecrated to the Lord. We're talking about a, a vow. Maybe that's kind of foreign for us, but in our realm, let's think of it as like a fast. I don't know if you've ever done a fast uh, on any kind of occasion. Think uh, some people fast for Lent. Uh, it's, it's this idea that denial of something in our physical life helps us to focus more on God. And that's what this Nazarite vow was. For, for the people in the, the nation of Israel that really wanted to connect with God, they would deny themselves other things. These three things in the Nazarite vow. Number one, you would stay away from anything that was made from grapes. No, no alcohol, no grape juice, no dried raisins, no grape-flavored bubble gum, like no grape-scented scent candles, none of that. Like stay away from grapes. Don't touch grapes. Uh, number two, stay away from anything that is dead. Uh, see, for Israelites... You couldn't come to church if you had been around anything that had touched anything that made you unclean. You had to be clean in front of God. And so if you touched a dead animal even or went to a funeral, you had to take a seven-week break from coming into the church because you were not clean. And you had to be clean when you come in to God's presence. And so in order to make sure that I can go to church every single day, the Nazarites' vows would, would say, I'm not going to be anywhere, I'm not even going to go near a funeral. And then the, the final one was maybe the one that is most famous with Samson. You can't cut your hair. You couldn't cut your hair. You couldn't cut your face. No hair on, on your body you could cut if you took this vow. It's like no shave November for long, a long time. 
And uh, that's what the commitment was. And, and it was an outward commitment that people would walk by and be like, man, why is your hair so long? What's the deal with the scraggly beard? Like, what's going on? It's, it was a Nazarite veil. It's, I'm trying to connect with God. Maybe the verbiage we would use is, I'm trying to, to go for a spiritual breakthrough. You know, some people will go through a season where they, they don't drink alcohol because they're like, man, that's distracting me. I want clarity with God. I want to connect with God. We'll say no to different things of our diet or social media because we want to connect more with God. That's what that Nazarite vow was. So uh, God tells us that there'll be some people that'll take that. Like you and I would maybe do Lent if you've ever done a fast like that. They will do it for short periods of time just to connect with God. But there are two answers, two instances in Scripture where there were men that took this vow for their whole life. Uh, th- th- like they, their mother made this commitment when they were born. Samuel and Samson are the two people that this happened to. And so we read here when, when Samson is finally mentioned and, and, and born in the, New, in the Old Testament, it, it, it happens in Judges chapter 13, verse 5. It says, uh, God is speaking to Samson's mother, and he says, You'll become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. You see, God had a a plan for Samson's life. It was a huge plan. Samson would actually be called a judge of Israel. It's where we get the name judges from, this book of the Bible. There were 12 judges that ruled over Israel. And when you think judge, don't think of like a judge in a court. Uh, the, the judge of the nation of Israel was the leader of Israel that was designed to help Israel through a very difficult time. And so the Bible tells us that with Samson, the people of Israel were under a rule of a different type of people. Like it was bondage, it was slavery. They were slaves to the Philistines. Philistines, maybe you've heard that name before. That's Goliath, big, tall, crazy, wild guy. He was a Philistine. And these Philistines hated God. They hated God's people. And so when they would come in and and just try to overthrow God's people and keep them in bondage and threaten them and wage war against them. And so God told Samson's mom, this little boy has a huge plan and a huge purpose for his life. And I want to make sure that Samson always is close to me and connected with me. So this Nazarite vow, he's going to live his whole life. Did you know that God has a plan and a purpose for you? That you are not here by accident? That the gifts and the talents and the connections, your sphere of influence in every single way, God wove all of that together because he knows you and put you here for a purpose and a reason? See, you and I are really not unlike Samson in so many ways. So God told Samson's mom this, get ready, your, your baby has got a plan and a purpose for his life. I want to use him in a really mighty way, and he's going to stay connected with me through this vow. And a few verses later in Judges 13, 24, it says, The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahenna, Dan, between Zara and Eshtaol. That sounds like cholesterol medicines. That's what I think of. But it, it, these are locations where Samson was living and ruling and, and reigning. So God had a plan for this little baby's life. He wanted to do something special. But very early on in Samson's life, Samson made some decisions that would totally derail what God wanted to do, that would disqualify him from being used in the way that God called him to. God had placed opportunity after opportunity in front of him and told him, as long as you follow me, 
Man, your life is going to be amazing. You're going to see things that you've never dreamed of seeing before. I'm going to use you in a really powerful way. But very early on, Samson's story goes south when, guess what? Samson falls in love with the wrong woman. You're not going to believe this, but a part of Samson's story is he's the leader of the Israelite people, and the Philistines are the enemies of Israel, but Samson gets the looks for a Philistine woman. Like, really, man? Dude, they're on the other team. Like, they're, they're, they're your slave masters. They are, they are tearing your people apart. Philistines, they don't love God. They don't care about God. They don't even believe God exists. They want to destroy you. And you want to hook up with this girl? What's your problem, man? And everybody in Samson's circle tried to talk him out of it. Samson came up to his parents one day and said, Hey, Mom, Dad, I know I'm going to break this to you, break the news to you. Uh, I got a girlfriend, and uh, she's a Philistine. And her mom and dad stood up and said, No, no, you're not dating this girl. No, we're not, no, we're not doing this. Samson, it doesn't take you long to realize if you're someone that loves God and you're dating someone that doesn't love God, your lives are totally different. You think different. You talk different. You act different. You spend your money differently. You treat others differently. You spend your time differently. Like, like Samson, you could not be further opposite. This girl is going to wreck your life, man. You are going to regret this. Please don't do this. Did Samson listen to his mom and dad? Nope. All he could think about was how hot this girl was. That's all that he cared. He's like, no, mom, you don't understand. I can win her over. I'll be a good influence over her. Like, she's smoking hot, man. I got to do it. I got to ask her out. So Samson breaks down, and a few verses later, this is a big moment for Samson, because Samson is going to meet his future wife and her parents for the very first time. And in Judges 14, the next chapter in in verse 5, it says, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother as they approached the vineyards of Timnah. Now, you might read over that, and you might think, oh, well, that, this is just the author telling us, like, directions. He's pinpointing it on a map. Uh, like, this is where we're going. You are here, and you are going here. And, and so that's just a throwaway detail. It's just a secondary thing. He's with his mom and his dad. He's going down a road, and they're on the road approaching the vineyards of Timnah. But if you read that really slowly, you begin to see that the author is trying to tell us some things about Samson. Samson is going to see a girl that he shouldn't be with. And Samson is walking down a path that he shouldn't be walking. How do I know that? Let me ask you this. If you took a vow with God to never be anywhere near grapes, anywhere near raisins, anywhere near wine, anywhere near plants that grew grapes, anywhere near grape bubblegum and grape-scented candles, If you took that vow with God, what is the one place that you wouldn't want to go? The vineyard. You guys are smart. But here's Samson, knowing good and well this is the commitment that he made from God, that this is how I'm going to remain connected with God. And the author tells us he's going somewhere he shouldn't be going, walking in the middle of the vineyard. You're not even supposed to touch the skin on the outside of the grape, and you're frolicking in the vineyard going to see this girl that everyone told you to avoid because she doesn't love God. Samson, what are you doing? But Samson, he's he's hard-headed. And the whole story of Samson 
Many of you may think he's this strong, heroic, triumphant figure. But in Judges chapter 14, verse 5, the author is communicating, this is no strong, triumphant hero. This may be the weakest man in all of the Old Testament. Weak, just with big muscles. Weak, just with great hair. This is no hero. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and their mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring out towards him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. Highlight that, underline, we're going to come back to that. This won't be the last time that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. What in the incredible Hulk is happening here? Like, this is real. Somebody tell me the Bible's boring. Are you serious? Have you read this? Tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. Hello. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, fast forward, maybe it's weeks, maybe it's months, sometime later he's going back to where he shouldn't be, going back to the girl that he shouldn't be hanging out with. Listen, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. Scholars tell us by this time it would have just been all skeletons in the grass grown up, and it was a reminder of when he killed them. And, and it says that he saw a swarm of bees and some honey inside of the carcass, inside of the bones. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some and they ate too. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Look at this brave, heroic, strong man that can take a lion with his bare hands and tear it in half like a piece of paper. That's what maybe you think when you think of Samson. But the author here says, look at this weak man that is disconnected from God and has no idea that he's driving his life away, that he's going further and further away from the person that God has called him to be. Dig below the surface and you see that the author here is telling us a very different version of the story that you saw on the flannel graph. A very different side of Samson that's not heroic at all. The story of an incredibly weak man. Samson, again, is chasing something that he shouldn't be chasing, this woman that does not love God, going somewhere he shouldn't be going, right into the vineyard, doing something he shouldn't be doing. He reaches his hand inside the what? The dead lion's carcass. Remember the vow? Don't touch anything that's dead. Don't be around anything that's dead. It separates you. It makes you unclean in front of God. And then on top of that, he takes some of that honey and gives it to his parents without even telling them. So now not only is he ceremoniously unclean, he can't go to church, can't be in front of God, near God's presence for seven days. Now his family can't either. And on down the road, we continue to see how Samson seems to be just sabotaging his own life time and time again. Despite all of the warning signs, Samson continues down this journey. He doesn't listen to God. He doesn't listen to his parents. He doesn't listen to anyone around him trying to give him some sound advice and Unfortunately, Samson ends up marrying this girl. This girl that he just met that is a Philistine that doesn't love God, swoons him, and, and like he just can't help himself. And so he goes back and he marries this girl. 
A few verses later, we find that Samson is at the wedding. They are officially married, and they're at the reception. He's at the reception hanging out with his brand new in-laws, meeting the brother-in-laws and the family for the first time. And uh, the, 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 the way that this works is undoubtedly Samson has this, like, uh, this party trick. He has this really hard riddle that he likes to ask people. And no one's ever gotten the answer to the riddle right. So just to, to kind of poke his new brothers-in-law and, and, his, and his parents, uh, his new parent-in-laws, uh, he says, hey, I'll tell you what, guys. It's the wedding reception. We're all having a great time. We're getting to know each other. I'm going to ask you a riddle. If you can answer the riddle, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy these 30 men, the 30 people in his wedding party, I'm going to buy each one of you a brand new outfit. We're going to go to the mall, go on a shopping spree. I'm going to hook you up. Here's the deal, though. If I ask you the riddle and you don't know the answer to it, then you owe me 30 outfits. I'm going to be fly for the next month. I'm going to look good the next month. And so they take the bet. Samson tells them this riddle, and just like everyone else that couldn't get the riddle, the brothers were stumped. And Samson said, I'll give you seven days to give me the answer. After six days, the brothers were frustrated. They're like, we, we're, I don't want to buy this guy 30 outfits. We got to talk to his wife. So the brothers pull their sister aside and they say, hey, we need a favor. We need for you to get the answer out of your husband. Manipulate him, like do whatever you got to do. Seduce him, whatever. You know his weaknesses. Like do whatever you got to do and give us the answer. So uh, Samson's wife comes home to him and says, babe, you got to tell me. What, you don't love me? Uh, Mark, are you keeping secrets from me? What's the answer? She wears Samson down. Samson gives the answer to his wife. The wife runs and tells her brothers. And on the seventh day, Samson's like getting suited up, getting ready for a new suit, going to get a custom suit. And the brothers run in and they tell them the answer to the riddle. And Samson is furious because he knows his wife stabbed him in the back. His wife betrayed him. And here's Samson's family on the outside acting surprised that the girl that doesn't love God would stab you in the back. This is my surprised face. (laughs) Samson is obviously furious and we see what he says. He turns to his brother-in-laws after having lost the bet. And in Judges 14, chapter chapter 14, verse 18, he said, Samson said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not solved my riddle. Samson said, like, if you didn't trick my wife and talk to her to get the answer out of me, then I wouldn't have to pay up. Married guys, let me talk to you for a second. A little piece of advice. I'm all for nicknames for your wife. Okay? Pet names, honey bunny, cupcake, sugar plum, whatever you want to call her. But I would think twice before you rolled in and said, what's up, heifer? <laughs> Or if you're introducing your wife to your friends, like, this is my heifer right here. That's what he does. He's like, man, heifer, why'd you tell him? Why'd you say that? And so you can tell, this is a relationship. That's just marriage dynamics you don't want right there. Samson bit off more than he can chew. And he starts name calling and Samson loses his mind. He flips out in anger and scripture tells us what what he does. Now he owes his in-laws, these clothes, in a few verses later in verse 19, it said, Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. And Samson went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. Again, Samson breaks the vow. 
he goes and finds 30 people and kills them. So heads up, if part of the vow is you don't want to touch anything that's dead, I'm pretty sure killing is off limits. But he doesn't want to buy these clothes, so he kills 30 people, strips them naked, shows up to the wedding party and drops all the clothes on the floor and said, here, and walked away, stormed out of the room, furious, burning with anger. The story continues. Man, just just even one chapter later, Samson messes up again. But did you catch the phrase? We, We keep seeing this a part of Samson's story. It says, and suddenly the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully among Samson. The Spirit of the Lord filled Samson. He was filled with the power of God. I don't know if you noticed this. It's a bit of a head-scratcher. But it seems like every time the Spirit of God comes on Samson's life, he does something dumb. Like every time the Spirit comes, he ends up killing someone or stripping someone naked or running in the total opposite direction of what God's called him to do. Like, what's up with that? Like, did God tell him to kill those 30 people? Like, like, did God, did the Spirit of the Lord come upon him? And it, it just sounds weird, right? It would be like coming up to a husband and saying, you know, I was sitting there by myself the other day and the Spirit of the Lord came upon me and that's when I realized I wanted to cheat on my wife. No. Like, those things are two opposite directions, man. Like, God's not going to challenge you and come over you to do something that's against him. And so we've got this weird dynamic of every time that God tries to speak to Samson, every time God tries to step in and intervene, Samson, you don't want to go down this path. Samson, you don't want to do that. Samson, you don't want to say that. Samson, this is going to ruin you. Samson essentially hears God and chooses to do the exact opposite. And every step along the way, he's derailing his life, causing damage that he's not going to be able to get back. Things escalate beyond that story. Just just one chapter later, in chapter 15, Samson, uh, again, his wife has deceived him and has tied him up, and the Philistines want to kill him, heads up, when mom says, don't marry the guy, don't marry the guy. Samson is now chained up, tied up, handcuffed by his wife, and the Philistines are coming to kill him because they want to kill the leader of Israel's people. And in Judges 15, he's tied up. He says, and, and as he approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him shouting. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him once again. And the ropes that were on his arms became like charred flax. And the bindings dropped from his hands. Those handcuffs, he just, and they just popped off. That's how strong this guy is. And finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. That escalated quickly. But yet again, here, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. And the handcuffs that he had on his wrists were like dental floss. And he was just like popping them off, sees a a bone on the ground, and kills a thousand people. What kind of ninja moves are these? How can the Spirit of God come over you and you murder a thousand people? Something's not right. 
Something's got to give here. Like, this is a pattern that, that ought to, like, put your eyes and ears up. It's like, well, wait, wait a minute. Why is it that when God speaks to Samson, Samson all of a sudden has the power to do the exact opposite of what God is asking him and calling him to do? He violates the law again, that he would not be around or touch anything that was dead by killing those thousand men. It's a pattern. In fact, seven more times just in this short story, Samson breaks his vow with God. And each time he pushes God a little bit further away. Breaks the connection with God and pushes it further away. Finds himself even further away. Harder to hear God. Harder to sense God. Fast forward to the end of the story. Samson at this point is on his third wife. None of them have loved God. And now this gal is, goes by the name of Delilah. Delilah tricks Samson into figuring out where he gets his strength from. Um, Samson's hair is shaved in the middle of the night. And in Judges chapter 16, Samson finds himself in trouble again. Then she, Delilah, called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought to himself, I'll go out as before and I'll shake myself free. He woke up and realized that the handcuffs were on him. He's like, handcuffs, been here and done that. I'm just going to shake myself free. I'm just going to pull out of it just like, just like I always do. But this might be the saddest part of Samson's story. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. He did not know that he had pushed God so far out of his life that he couldn't even hear him anymore. That he had disconnected himself from the vow and the promise that God had given him. That was the last strike The third vow was broken when he allowed his hair to be cut and that effectively severed his connection with God. And he wanted to do what was right and in that moment he realized he had no power because the power did not come from his hair, it came from his relationship with God. What a sad story. But time and time again, despite God screaming at him, do not go this way. The power of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. Don't do this, Samson. Don't go there, Samson. Don't talk to those people, Samson. Don't go this path of your life, Samson. You're going to wreck it. You're going to destroy it. This only leads to shame and pain and hurt and sorrow and remorse and regret. Don't do it, Samson. The Spirit of the Lord, God in his infinite grace was like, Samson, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to speak to you again. I'm going to help you again. I'm going to show you again. I'm going to let you know you're on the wrong path. Now's the chance. Turn around, Samson. Turn around. Don't go down this road. Don't do it. And every time Samson pushed God away, understand something. When it says the Lord was nowhere near Samson, God did not leave. Samson walked away. If you don't feel close to God, God's not the one that moved. It was you. With every vow that he broke, Samson ignored the voice of God. Yeah, God, I know the difference between right and wrong. I just don't care. Yeah, I know what I told you. I know what I promised you. I know what your word says. I know what my life, I know what my parents said, and they're good, godly people. I know these people don't love God, but I'm going to trust them, and I'm going to roll with them, and I'm going to be friends with them. And so many times, Samson completely ignored God's voice until he realized he had reached a point one day where he couldn't even hear his voice anymore. And it left him broken and powerless. I'd love to tell you that Samson's story ends on a good note, but it doesn't. He dies. 
He refused to listen to God in what was once going to be a celebrated hero and a, and a, and a judge of the nation of Israel so that they could prosper. Is now just a guy with a bad haircut, locked up in chains, filled with remorse and regret because he didn't listen to God and do what he told him to do. So what does the story of Samson have to do with me and you? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, um, the Bible tells us that we have the Holy Spirit living in us. That's how God speaks to you. That's how God convicts you. That's how God comforts you. That's how God shows you the right path and the right direction to go. That's how God saves you from wrecking your own life. His spirit that lives in us says, hey, whoa, slow down. Hey, no, you don't want to do that. No, you don't want to go in that direction. Be careful with this next turn. Watch out. Comforts us when we go through hardships and difficulties in our life. But did you know that just like Samson, the Bible tells us that we can, what it says, quench the Holy Spirit. An analogy for the Holy Spirit, for God's Spirit in our heart is like fire, right? And eventually, like, by ignoring God's voice in your life, it's like throwing cups of water on a fire. And if you throw enough water on a fire, eventually the fire goes out. And that can happen in your life and in mine. We can push so far. We can ignore God. We can say, God, I know what's right and wrong. I know what your word says, but I'm going to do something different. Because I'm all about me, I'm all about my comfort, I'm all about having fun, I'm all about this girl or this guy, I'm all about you know, making this money and having this prosperity, I'm all about having this honey and doing whatever I want to do with it. And he pushed God away and we can do the same thing until it leads us to the same place of Samson. We're heartbroken, we're lost, we're looking around like what happened to my life? How did I get here? Why am I stuck? Why does it feel like I'm in this cycle of, man, just failure after failure after failure? Why can't I get out of this? What is going on? God, help me. Ephesians 4, like, I get it, man. We don't take a Nazarite vow. So you may be thinking to myself, like, I'm, I'm, I shave every day, right? Like, like, I'm as far from a Nazarite as you can get. Yeah, we don't take a Nazarite vow, but the New Testament is very clear that when we decide to be followers of Jesus, that we are held to a higher standard. In Ephesians, Paul talks about your life is at a higher standard than anyone else. Yeah, it's not a vow with three points, but you're committing, hey, I'm going to love God, I'm going to follow God, I'm going to listen to God, I'm going to worship God, I'm going to dedicate myself to God. In, in the book of 1 Peter, we read that you are set apart as a follower of Jesus, that God has a great purpose for your life. We don't take the Nazarite vow, but as followers of Jesus, there is an expectation for us that we're going to live to a higher standard. And God will use the Holy Spirit to convict us, to guide us, to strengthen us, to comfort us, to rebuke us sometimes. And I hope that your life doesn't turn into the life of Samson, where God is begging you and pleading you to walk in his purpose and his plan, and we keep pushing him away and saying no. Yeah, I don't care about you, God. I'm going to do what I want to do, God. Yeah, that's not convenient for me, God. Yeah, that's not too comfortable for me, God. Not interested. And we can get to the point where we know the difference between right and wrong, but our hearts are so hardened that we'll choose wrong even in the face of God's best. Hey, I want to learn from Samson's mistake, man. I don't want to ignore God's voice. I don't want to pretend like I know what's best for my life. I want to listen to God. I want to study his word and apply it to my life. I want to pray and I want to listen to God to speak to me like, God, help me. Help me not to wreck my life. Man, help me not to mess this life up. 
I want to live a life of purpose and meaning and impact. I don't want to throw it away. I don't want to be a weak man with huge muscles that can't accomplish anything. I want to be connected to you, God. I want to hear your voice. I want to know what it sounds like. I want to follow you with boldness. I want to know that your way is better than my way. I want to be known as a person that walks in faithfulness and obedience. So now's the time. Man, for you, this might be one of those times where God's giving you another chance. Hey, stop ignoring it. Stop pushing my voice aside. Stop ignoring it. Stop running towards what's just good when you can have what is best. Stop listening to everybody else and start tuning back into me. I got a plan and a purpose for your life. Man, that renewal could start for you today. And if you're not a Christian here, you're not on Team Jesus, uh, God has a way of speaking to you as well. That emptiness, that longing and desire for purpose, that realization that you get in life that you're grinding day in and day out and you thought you were pretty sure there's more to life than this. There has to be more joy and more satisfaction. There has to be a higher purpose than going to work, clocking in, getting a paycheck, spending the money, going to bed, and going back to work the next day. Please tell me there is more to life than that. And that's the way that God can speak to you and says, I have a purpose for you. Just like I had for Samson, there's a plan and there's a path that brings you great joy and fulfillment. And the first step on that path is making a decision to follow Jesus. Because even though Samson's life ended in chaos and death, yours doesn't have to. The New Testament says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his life for us so that we could experience freedom and have that relationship with God reconciled. No rules, no no shave November, no no grapes, no, no funerals, none of that. God says it's a free gift. Jesus tear down all the walls so that our relationship can be reconciled. You want to know what your purpose and plan is in life is to glorify and honor God, to follow him, to have that relationship with his son Jesus and to make an impact in the world for the gospel. Hey, if that's you, I'd love to help you. Man, we've got a team of pastors that would love to connect with you this week and have a conversation. You can take that red card that's in front of you and there's a box at the top that says, man, I, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want to know what this is about, man. I don't want to end up like Samson and throwing my whole life away because I wasn't willing to listen to God and do what he says. I'd love to introduce you to the God that has a plan and a purpose for your life. Take your next step right now and we want to help you. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for this warning. God, thanks for showing us your grace and your mercy. Boy, how forgiving were you to continue to want to speak to Samson, to continue to not give up on him, to continue to give him the power that he needed, to continue to show him the direction that he needed to run in. God, help us not to be like him, though, and reject that and to push it away and to say, no, thank you, and to look at your face and say, yeah, God, but I know better. I know what's better. I'm smarter than you, God. I don't need you, God. God, give us the humility right now to turn back to you. Soften our hearts, open up our eyes and ears so that we can see you clearly. Give us the wisdom to know what to do with the words that we have just heard. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. 
If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.